0: A listener production This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. Every week we choose a different topic and we discuss it. We break it down for you. Well, I am not the expert. This gentleman Dr Keith is, Dr Keith Souter, Australian commentator in the media for many decades on everything to do with international politics, international relations crisis is going on anywhere. He always has great background knowledge, vast background knowledge at the drop of a hat. Uh, And also the latest, obviously, a couple of PhDs on international relations. The man is an expert. Can't question that. KGB's influence, Keith, on Trump. This is, well, I wonder if he's going to be surprising to people because we know that Trump's always admired the Russians.
1: Well, we know reason why he's probably admiring the Russians is because they've got so much dirt on him. So I've been reading a book by Craig Unger uh, called American Compromat, How the KGB Cultivated Donald Trump and Related Tales of Sex, Greed, Power and Treachery. <laughs> this is a hell of a book, I've got to say. Let me just say, explain Compromat. So Compromat means compromising material. So an example would be if I had a photograph of you um, with somebody else's uh, husband snorting cocaine in an illegal casino, den,
0: Dr. Keith, <laughs> what a wild imagination you have.
1: <laughs> so if I had that sort of photograph, I would then have Compromat. I would have compromising material on you. So that's the essence of this. I think that what ties the book together is the way in which it looks really at three people who lead fairly related lives but also fairly separate lives So, you've got obviously Donald Trump, and he is there for the bulk of the book. But also, others who have a walk on part are Jeffrey Epstein and Jelaine and her father, Robert Maxwell. So, I think that probably in a few weeks' time, when Jelaine goes on trial, assuming she lives long enough to go on trial, I'm assuming she will die uh, before she goes on trial, or at the very least, be will die during the trial. I think she knows too much on too many people. So Jelaine's father was Robert Maxwell, who's covered in this book. And Robert Maxwell was somebody who was possibly spying for the Soviet Union, had his fingers in a variety of pies and died a very mysterious death. He fell off the side of his boat and drowned. And so uh, he had a mysterious death. And then similarly, her boyfriend, Jeffrey Epstein, who also gets quite a bit of coverage in this book, he also, well, allegedly died of a suicide, but who knows how he perished. So that's why I'm assuming that Jelaine, given what happened to her father and boyfriend, may not be long for this earth. She knows too much as well. There are too many people who would think they would benefit from her dying early. So this is a book about people getting dirt on others. So Jeffrey Epstein, we assume, videotaped a lot of the sexual activities that went on in his properties, which may have impl- implicated a member of the British uh, royal family and other key players in American politics. So he obviously has got compromat compromising material on others. In the case of Donald Trump, who uh, is the person who receives most of the coverage in this book, the argument is the KGB have got compromising material on him and therefore have been able to manipulate him over the decades. So this is a relationship that began at least three decades ago when he started to have dealings with Soviet agents based um, in New York. They were recruiting people. So they were there to look for people that could be won over to the Soviet point of view. So Donald Trump, the allegation in this book, is that he is an asset rather than an agent. So an agent is someone who deliberately goes ahead and spies for someone else, but like James Bond, if you like. No one's alleging that in regards to Donald Trump, but that Donald Trump is an asset. In other words, he's a person who looks favorably upon the Soviet Union, or now Russia, and was cultivated quite deliberately by the KGB, who figured that they could manipulate his arrogance and try to get deals from him. So um, 30-odd years ago, with the Cold War at its height, Donald Trump decided he'd become the new peacemaker and work for a nuclear arms deal between the United States and Soviet Union. Total waste of time, total arrogance on his part to think that he could suddenly get involved in these negotiations. But the KGB led him on to think that he could play a a key role as a global peacemaker, etc. Perhaps ending up with a Nobel Peace Prize, etc. Total waste of time. But they're appealing to his vanity. Uh, the Russians were also in negotiations with having a Trump Tower built in Moscow in Red Square. Now this was the height of the Cold War. The Soviet Union was not going to permit something that represented American capitalism being built in Red Square. Right opposite the Kremlin. So that that would simply not have taken place. But Trump was dumb enough to believe that his negotiations would lead him to be able to do a deal with the Soviet Union. So they just led him on. And then, of course, for his trips to Moscow, who knows what sort of material they might have collected on him, as well as the financial dealings. It's actually the financial dealings rather than any sort of sexual blackmail, which really intrigues Craig Unger. And in fact, Craig Unger says that the real scandal isn't what's illegal. It's what is already allowed under American law. It's what is legal. And so you've got KGB and others arriving in the United States during the Cold War and after the Cold War, after 1991, with lots of money and are able to buy up Trump properties. And so That was a way in which the Russians were able to influence Trump because of the uh, financial dealings. It then leads on to the allegation that Trump is financially kept alive by Russian money. The business model of Donald Trump is that he would undertake to build a casino and would pay himself large consultant fees. The casino would later fail, but that wouldn't worry him because he wasn't the real owner of that casino. He's already made his money out of consulting fees in building the property and getting it set up. Over a period of time, American investors learned that with Donald Trump, you never got your money back. Just too risky to have him. And so they then stopped lending money to Trump. Separately, Deutsche Bank, a big German bank, wanted to establish something in the United States. And so they found Trump, as a, as a good customer, and they lent him something like $421 million. That money is due to come payable in the next year or so. The question is, where did Deutsche Bank get the money to lend the money to Trump? And the allegation is that it has come from the old Soviet Union or Russian kleptocrats who have lent money quite legally to Deutsche Bank, who have then lent money quite legally to Donald Trump. And so Donald Trump effectively is in debt to Russian oligarchs, the people who are around Mr. Putin. Mr. Putin has created this kleptocratic paradise for crooks. And so Donald Trump is therefore being cultivated by the KGB and continues to be cultivated by the Russians who are lending him the money. This
0: is Global Truth with Dr. Keith Suda. We're talking today about a brilliant book that you're reading, which I'm gonna go out and get it straight away because it's just intriguing. You know, the Russia and the Trump thing that people have been trying to get to the bottom of for so long, Keith. There's always been this, I guess, rumour about how what the Russians had on him, but this book sort of shines more of a light on it and it creates more of an understanding about what they do have. Do you reckon many people would be surprised about this though?
1: Probably at this stage, fewer people would be surprised. This guy, Craig Unger, for example, has written before on this topic. I think he's just updated a lot of his previous material. Um, So he's written bestsellers before on the House of Trump, House of Putin, House of Bush, House of Saud. So in a sense, this is really his bag. And he's a bit like David K. Johnson, who's another New York writer, who's intrigued about Donald Trump's finances well before Trump became president. It says something about the skill of the Russians. They're able to identify him quite early on as somebody worth going after. They figured that he had a good future ahead of him well before he made that famous trip down the escalator at Trump Tower to declare that he was going to run for the presidency. So they had already singled him out as good talent and someone that they could manipulate. I think that we've known a bit about this for quite some time. As I say, David K. Johnson is another writer dealing specifically with the finances of Trump, not his politics, just specifically where does Trump money come from? So I think that between them, these two authors have actually covered a a lot of ground. Um, Obviously, you've still got Trump supporters who will not accept any of this. They will see that this is all a, a giant con, that Trump is not being manipulated by Russia or anything like that. And you've got others who are just beginning their process of digging into it. I'm particularly intrigued about the Attorney General for the State of New York, who is carrying out all sorts of investigations into Trump finances. And she has great power to actually uncover irregularities in Trump accounting. And she has recently announced that, in fact, her investigations are made will become criminal. And she is going after some of Trump's key personnel to get information from them. Now, what is interesting is that these personnel may well decide they will do better by cooperating with the state of New York rather than remaining loyal to Trump. Remember, when once Trump was in the White House, he was in a position to pardon people. So um, you ended up with people who, like Roger Stone, who have been of great help to Trump over the decades. Trump was served very well by Stone. Stone is a loyal Republican, apparently Uh, On his back between his shoulder blades is a tattoo of Richard Nixon. Shows his dedication. That's the allegation (laughs) that's been made about Stone. So Stone has been a loyal defender of right-wing politicians in the United States for, for several decades. And Stone kept quiet. He went to jail. But Trump was president and so could pardon him. Trump is no longer president. So one implication of that is that he no longer is able to pardon people who go to jail for federal offences. And secondly, of course, he is now able to be put on trial in a way that he couldn't be as president. The tradition is that if you are president, you can't go on trial because as president, you're also in charge of the justice system. Oh, right. So uh, you can't put a president on trial, but you can certainly put an ex-president on trial. Now, there isn't much of a tradition in the United States because generally speaking, the political class look after each other. So, for example, given the alleged illegal invasion of Iraq in 2003, Barack Obama did not put George Bush on trial for war crimes any more than Kevin Rubb put John Howard on trial for alleged war crimes. In Britain, uh, where they take politics more seriously, they were shocked that they'd gone to war over a false pretense, and they did at least establish what we would call a royal commission. But nobody's been punished as a result of Tony Blair going ahead with this um, invasion of Iraq in 2003. The political class look after each other.
0: Yeah, but that also the, the people spoke after 2003 by those people not staying in power, Yeah,
1: I guess. <laughs> well, eventually they were punished by the electorate, but it took a while. But they were never punished in terms of going to jail for war crimes or even being put on trial for war crimes. So this adds, I think if if you're a supporter of the American Tea Party movement, Uh, not a blind Trump supporter, but somebody who's deeply suspicious about power in the United States, either if you're on the right or if you're on the left, this is the book for you because it just shows how the ruling elite, the political class, look after themselves, look after their friends.
0: Which is funny because, especially when you look at Trump's following in America now, it is very working class.
1: It's a very working, yeah. And these are the people who are getting... Badly treated by the upper class and by the political class, but I'm amazed that they still remain so loyal to Donald Trump. They still continue to support him. For me, it's very hard to explain. But they feel resentful and they hate the East Coast liberals and they figure, well, at least Trump is sticking his eye in the East Coast liberals. So, okay, the guy's rich, he exploits his (laughs) workers, but at least he's annoying the people we don't like. But this is a really great book, an insight into how the ruling class run. And as I say, if you're on the left or the extreme right, this will, will just justify your paranoia and your scepticism about politics.
0: But what about the future as well, especially when it comes to Trump and Russia? I mean, obviously, he's not president anymore, but what he did in power was very pro-Russia. It was yep. like he was intimidated. He was all over Putin like a rash at public forums. What happens to that relationship now?
1: Um, That relationship, of course, is jeopardized because the Biden administration is surrounded by hawks who want to get ready for a war with Russia. Biden's problem, which was Obama's problem, is how do you restrain the hawks who want to go to war against Russia? It's very interesting because when you read the book and you think Trump was in power for four years, he didn't actually do that much for Putin. Okay, he brought Putin in from the cold. Trump trashed his own intelligence agencies by saying, I believe Putin. Mm. I don't believe CIA. He damaged NATO by saying America is not going to honour its commitments within NATO. He was a supporter of Britain, leaving the European Union, so Brexit is a way of, of undermining European unity. But after four years, Trump could not do that much damage. Putin is still no more powerful today than he was before Trump came to office. So for me, it's an indication also that, These are politicians who look after each other. They enrich themselves through being in office or they enrich their friends through being in office. But at the end of the day, they don't change the broad sweep of history. Things are still proceeding much as they were while Obama was in power.
0: And what's going to take to actually get proper change then, Keith?
1: A very good question. I think that should be the subject of a separate podcast. How does change occur in politics? I have my own theories but I think we need to explore that in a separate podcast. Well, people would
0: say, though, and I do agree with you, but people would say that Trump did bring change, didn't he? Like he brought a very different way of doing things. He was yeah. so different to any other politician as well. Yes,
1: very different. And of course, a great joy to the media. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we did very well out of Donald <laughs> yes. Trump, Kate. Come on now. A lot of fodder. But at the end of the day, it really hasn't changed the world that much. If you think back to the, the state of the United States and its long term challenges, It's still bogged down in the Middle East, even though they've been trying to get out of the Middle East. Um, They're still caught up with the rivalry with China, et cetera. So these are issues that are beyond the involvement of one single individual, Mm. Uh, and you've got to look for the broad patterns of history and how you might try to bring on political change, and I think that should be the subject of a separate podcast. All right.
0: Well, we will uh, we will delve back into that. So one more time for the name of this book as well, because you have really, really thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Absolutely. So the book is called American Compromat, How the KGB Cultivated Donald Trump and Related Tales of Sex, Greed, Power and Treachery. And the author is Craig Unger. And in Australia, the book has been published uh, by Scribe down in Melbourne. A really fascinating book. I'm very happy to, to recommend it. So... Great book, but it'll keep you awake if you read it late at night.
0: Oh, your brain will be ticking over. I love those books. Global Truths was presented by Dr Keith Suter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.